FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 340 of the podcast Ghost Nicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and we're going to talk about some Wolverine stuff. Surprise, surprise! Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Exit Wounds, and then the end of Infinity Watch, and the end of War of Realms, and... Something that caught me very much by surprise, so hang on for that. Because it's a big one. It's a big surprise. In in, in today's America. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, um, so Exit Wolverine, sorry, Wolverine Exit Wounds number one came out. Um with brand new tales by legendary creators, it says. It lists Chris Claremont, yes, legendary. Salvador LaRocca, yeah, probably. Scott Eaton, really good. Not sure if he's a Wolverine legend anyway. I don't can't remember like even a big run or anything. He's had a legend in his own right, yes. Um, Larry Hama, of course, we've been really getting into in the flashback episodes right now. And then Sam Keith, um... Definitely had his own take on Wolverine um, in the Marvel Comics Presents era. So yeah, so that's who's listed on the cover. This cover is by Ryan Stegman. It's a pretty great cover. It's kind of brutal. Um, it's pretty cool, um, like red, orangey background with some action lines. So it's like Wolverine and Sabretooth are jumping at you. And Wolverine, right hand, his claws are through Sabretooth's cheek. And Sabretooth is howling in delight because he likes being hurt, right? Um, <laughs> or maybe he's howling in pain. I don't know. He's howling. Um, and then Sabretooth is slashing Wolverine across the face. Um, it's a pretty good cover. I mean, a classic brawl between Wolverine and his arch nemesis, Sabretooth. So we do have three stories here in Exit Wounds. We have Red and Tooth and Claw by Larry Hama, Scott Eaton, uh, Inks by Sean Parsons, Colors by Matt Mia. Chapter 2 is Aftermath, written by Chris Claremont, art by Salvador LaRocca, color by Val, or sorry, Colors by Val Staples. And Part 3 is Logan which is written and drawn by Sam Keith and colors by Rhonda Pattinson. And then all of the letters are done by V.C.'s Josevino. And then, of course, the cover we mentioned is by Ryan Stegman and Jason Keith. There's also a Sam Keith variant cover that I saw that was pretty cool. And then a Becky Clunan cover, which is pretty awesome. It's just Wolverine-like in the snowy Canadian wilderness on top of a stack of bodies. Uh, it's pretty great. And then the Rob Liefeld cover is not too bad either. Um, hey, surprise, surprise, his uniform is ripped <laughs> on the Liefeld cover. Um, 
and one set of claws is about a foot longer than the other set of claws but other than that it's not a bad little cover so red and tooth and claw our, our Larry Hammer story with Scott Eaton um, basically goes back to the days of Weapon X which we're getting ready to cover on the flashback episodes that's coming up sooner than you know um, Anyway, so they're trying to do the memory implants. So Dr. Cornelius and um, uh, ugh, the professor um, doing their thing. They're trying to implant memories to mold Weapon X into the ultimate weapon. But he keeps opening his eyes and glaring at them. And the scientists are like, no, no, don't be silly. He's not staring at us. He's just reacting to the memory implants. He doesn't see us. He sees what we want him to see. But what he really sees is a memory from Wolverine issue 10 where Sabretooth kills Silver Fox in that legendary battle. And it's making him mad. He tries to break out of the test tube. Um, but, you know, he can't quite get out and they call in the Wranglers. So they decide to take him out and pit him against a pack of wolves. And... You know, he slices his way through the wolves, and but he starts getting really mad and goes berserk. And so they think he's fighting a bear, but he's seeing, hallucinating, they think, to see Sabretooth, and Sabretooth gloating over murdering Silver Fox. Um, and so he's fighting Sabretooth while his body is fighting the bear, and he decapitates the, the bear. And of course, thinks he decapitates Sabretooth, which is a becoming a classic move for Sabretooth, getting his head cut off. <laughs> then Wolverine howls at the at the moon, and then uh, when the Wranglers come, he loses it, goes berserk, and they try to retract his claws automatically, and they can't. So they just beat him with a bunch of rifles and then chain him up. And they're like, well, "What triggered that?" They're like, "We don't know." We don't know, but if we knew, if we could figure it out, we would have the perfect killing machine. So, you know, it's a neat little chapter from, like, the Weapon X days. Um, you know, giving some extra little stuff there. So, Aftermath is, of course, by Claremont and LaRocca. And this takes place during, I think, the Wolverine and Kitty Pride miniseries, when Wolverine and Kitty are in Japan. It's before Kitty's dad gets really messed up. Um, but they're one, one running around and they go to this uh, Rama house for like for Rama noodles, and apparently someone's putting the squeeze on it, and Logan own, owes them, so he's gotta gotta be there to protect them. And they they make the noodles and they have their recipes, and Logan has his own recipe, and he's chit chatting with the son, you know the kid kid at the at the shop, and you know having a good old time and. It's kind of talking. He teaches Kitty how to make the noodles. Then these guys come in and they're like, "We we want we want to buy your Rama house." And the lady's like, "No." And they're like, "Well, we're warning you." And uh, Logan's like, "Well, here, you like Rama noodles? Try mine." And the guy's like, "Okay." But a white guy can't make noodles, and so he drinks the noodles, drinks the soup, and then spits into Wolverine's face, and everyone laughs. And of course, Kitty and Yukio is there, and the and the family are all like, "Uh oh!" 
And uh, Wolverine, the owner's name is Hoshiko, I think is how you would say that. And Logan turns and says, my apologies, Hoshiko. Then he turns to the other guy and says, you had your chance, bub. Now it's my turn. And he starts throwing everybody around. And meanwhile, Yukio starts to eat. And Kitty's kind of walking around. She notices these pictures. And there's a bunch of family pictures that have Logan in it, including an old wedding photo. But it's like three or four generations ago. And then she notices that the kid has blue eyes like Logan. And she's like, oh, oh, something's going on here. And she gets out the sword of Clan Yoshida and bangs it on the table. And they're like, oh, no, this is Mariko's lover. We got to go. And so they leave. And as they leave, Logan grabs him and says, don't come back. You hear? Because if you do... It'll be the last time, and for the first time, he pops his claws and gets snicked, and they're like, <gasps> and they run off. And also a pretty fun little story, and LaRocca's art, way better than it's been in Uncanny lately. It actually has, like, really good facial expressions, and it's kind of more like classic LaRocca, which was good. Alright, then our Sam Keith story, of course, is... Very Sam Keithy. Uh, weird proportions. I was basically Wolverine running around and he fights Venom. Uh, Venom pops out of a tree. And it was almost... I mean, Sam Keith always does kind of extreme proportions in cartoons. But there's almost a Dr. Seussian vibe to this. Especially the panel of Venom, like, popping out of the tree. Like, it's, it's a very Dr. Seussian tree. And Venom kind of sticking his head out and smiling. Um... But, of course, it's much more violent than any Dr. Seuss cartoon <laughs> would ever be. But, um, so they fight, and, you know, Venom rips off his, his, uh, uniform, and, you know, classic Sam Keith art. Logan appeals to Eddie Brock, and then there's, like, almost a Sienkiewicz photo, or, like, uh, not photo, but, uh, splash page of Logan just stabbing the symbiote. It's pretty brutal and like the colors get a lot darker and more scattered. It's pretty great. And Logan uh, realizes he's kind of gone berserk. He's like <gasps> and, but then he catches his breath and we get an awesome last page with a classic Sam Keith almost a Wolverine slash Max pose of um, Wolverine like on a log and he's kind of hunched over and his legs are out and his claws are down. This is it's pretty good. I mean, none of these stories are necessarily like super, I don't know, important or anything, but they're all nice, just little vignettes. And Wolverine, I would say Sam Keith, the art is definitely the most interesting part. Uh, the story's fine, and then the other stories um, were pretty good. I don't know, I think I'd give this a solid, you know, for a little collection of tales, four out of six claws, like, you know, very solid. Um, so yeah, yeah, very cool. Pretty cool little one shot. All right, well, so something kind of kind of shocking happened to me. Not from the story standpoint. We're going to talk about Marvel Comics Presents number six, um, which is uh, has the Wolverine story and it also has a Ghost Rider story. Danny Ketch, '90s Ghost Rider, and a Deadpool story. Um, 
So the writer of the Wolverine story, which is the the Vigil Part Six, is Charles Soule. Pencils, uh, we welcome back Paulo Sequeira, inks by Oren Jr., colors by Frank Diamarda, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And remember, you know, every decade or so, Wolverine and this witch have fought this demon um, called the Truth. Um, you know, Wolverine and Sylvie, the, the sorceress's daughter that he saved in but then she died in the 70s. Um, and so it's 1989, and the truth is not yet returned. Logan went looking for Sylvie's family and was told to buzz off. Um, and of course, remember they had that, that, in, that night of passion, right? So you knew something's probably going to come of that, right? Um, so we go now to what is bookmarked as 95. We have Talisman in the Albertan Canadian wilderness and she gets a migraine like a magical migraine and she calls Wolverine in the 90s X-Mansion and he kind of says gives her the story about the the, the truth and uh, Talisman is like okay that's probably what I felt so you know I guess we'll take care of it and Wolverine's like well no I'm going to take care of it too and so they remember that he goes to like all the worst places in the world and so this time it's uh, Montserrat, the eruption of Sophie Hills. I don't know what that is. Sounds like a really terrible volcano eruption. Um, so he goes and he takes the X-Men with him for help because he no longer has Sylvie and he brings Talisman to be the magic, right? That's been the formula. Wolverine's claws with a a magic spell and that's how they defeat the demon only this time it doesn't work and this part is where I get a little kind of iffy because it seems like the demon kills all the X-Men and I don't know and of course remember that this whole story like Charles Soule has been going like in real time so if it's the 70s or the 80s or whatever instead of saying oh well yeah Wolverine was back there because he has a healing factor and the age is really slow. He was also putting like the stories from the comics at the time, which obviously Storm ha can't have been an X-Men for 20 years yet, right? Um, and, and so on. So that's kind of like trying to figure out if this is like in-universe or not. And I think it almost has to be, but it also doesn't quite make total sense. But anyway... This the demons like killing the X Men, which is pretty bad news, for sure taking them out, like kicking their butts. But then we get a stop. You don't know what you're doing, and we turn the page, and there's a blonde warrior, um, you know, long flowing blonde hair, and then she pulls a double snicked, and I don't know if she has bone claws or magic claws or magic bone claws. But she launches herself with a demon, and between her magic and her claws, or her magical claws, she's able to cut the demon where he can't heal. So she cuts off his arm, just slices and dices him, and then with her spell opens the portal to banish him, and she throws him through, and um, 
And then she comes over to Wolverine, who, of course, is with Jane. And she says, I'm so sorry, Logan, but we told you that your time in this mission was done, and it would not end well for you, and to stay out of it. And Colossus is like, uh, who's this lady? And, um, Wolverine says, I don't know her, Colossus, but I'm pretty sure she's my daughter. You know, from the, you know, torrid affair, if you, you know, what, uh, let's see, they said that was in the 70s, and this is 95, so she's probably like mid-20s by now, I guess. Anyway, if you've been listening to my episodes, you know the fact that he has a daughter in this scene is not the part that surprises me. Um, I mean, I kind of called it, right? You know, the the, the affair was there for a reason. The, the night of passion was going to lead to something. And then especially when she goes back to the house and says, it's done. You know, like, obviously she got pregnant, right? Um, what kind of surprises me is that this issue is already selling on eBay for like 60 bucks with the first appearance of Wolverine's new daughter, who doesn't even have a name yet. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I just, it reminds me like the 90s, like the speculation market where people are just buying like every random first appearance that was related to a cool character, hoping it would be worth a lot of money. And it would be like, be worth like you know 40 bucks for like a week and then and you know you know like like a uh, dark hawk is a great example for a long time in the 90s his first appearance is really hard to find and get without spending a lot of money now i'm pretty sure you can get it for like three bucks but um <laughs> yeah, anyway and just i was just really surprised to see on ebay that, that this thing was going so high um anyway but i guess back to the story so the art was really good it was good to have sikiera back um you know, he really does great with the moaning faces. His character design for Wolverine's unnamed Magic Claw daughter. I hope her name is Witcherine. No. I don't really help that, but it would be fun. No. <laughs> Denise is shaking her head at me and groaning. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Um... I don't know. I think I think there's actually a lot of potential for this character. Um, I think I think it'd be cool to do like almost like a supernatural style book, but with Wolverine claws. Um, and it could be pretty interesting. So we'll see if this character has staying power or not, or if it's kind of a, a flash in the pan. And you know, we're we're making a lot of assumptions that it's Wolverine's daughter, and obviously the. And the resale market is making a huge assumption that it's Wolverine's daughter. Hasn't actually been confirmed. Wolverine says, I'm pretty sure she's my daughter. And she has a clause. So, I mean, let's face it, she is. But, I mean, there can be a twist with that twist uh, coming. So, who knows. But, I think overall, it's a pretty good story. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think how I will feel about this first appearance will depend on know long term what the character does I think this story in and of itself uh, it's, it's right between a four and a five um I don't know taking it at face value probably a four out of six claws but I don't know she is pretty badass um and the art's really really good I think I'll go five out of six why not 
I'm being generous. Um, so the uh, the Deadpool story is just kind of a, uh, a satire. On speaking of the comics boom, it's kind of a satire because Deadpool decides he's going to make a comic and you know does all the '90s stuff, um, and then you know he does like chromium covers and stuff like that and then when no one people quit buying his book he does a bunch of gimmicks so it's just kind of a, a satire on that um and then the Ghost Rider story was actually pretty fun as well it was uh, by uh, Ed Brisson and Juan Fregari um and it's Dan Ketch he just bought a new bar but the spirit of vengeance comes to call on him, even though he still had the spirit of vengeance. He goes back to the cemetery where he first got his powers and where his sister's buried. And there's some character that I guess he's fought before. Um, what's his name? Not is it Wallow? And he feeds off suffering. Um, and so he's trying to beat off suffering and there's a fight on a bus that's kind of cool. Anyway, it's a, it's a fun little story. Um, and then of course it ends as kind of a setup for the upcoming Avengers story, King of Hell, where Johnny Blaze is of course the King of Hell and wants to be the only Ghost Rider, so he doesn't like the other Ghost Riders still running around. So, anyway, uh, that's, that's Marvel Comics Presents number six. So next up, we have the finale of Wolverine Infinity Watch. Um, of course, written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Andy MacDonald. Colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo. And the cover by Giuseppe Camincoli, Roberto Poggi, and Dean White. And the cover is like a stark black. And in the background, kind of in a green hue, we have Loki and Logan. And then, um, uh, not, not Hector. Yeah, Hector. I had it right. Doubted myself. Um, he's standing in the front with his arm raised with the time bat. And he's almost like in a kind of off-brand Green Lantern uniform. But it's a pretty cool cover. The color works really nice. So good job to Dean White on really making this cover look really cool. So remember, up to this point... Loki and Logan are running around trying to protect Hector because he has a time stone and everybody wants to get their hands on the time stone and then go to space because uh, Talonar comes and abducts him because he wants the time stone too and there's the Chitauri Warbringer who wants the time stone and everything's kind of converged on the Talonar spaceship out in space. And the Warbringer's busting his way in. And there's a really cool diagram where uh, and Talonar like, protects him with his bubble. And Warbringer punches the bubble like through the layers of the ship. And we get kind of the thing where we get like the cutaway view of the ship. And the bubble like flying through all the floors. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, and then Logan's like, hey listen kid. I used to run to school to help kids like you. But unfortunately, you only got a few seconds with me as your corner man before we both get croaked. So I don't know all there is to know about the Infinity Stones. I know the green one lets you travel forward and backward in time. So why don't you do it? <laughs> um, and then we get a snicked. And he says, just visualize yourself doing it as Logan dives in after the Warbringer. And he can't move yet, but he freezes time, so we have everyone kind of just frozen there. He's like, I don't know what to do. And he walks around the spaceship for days, 
eating and drinking, and he finds this dead alien and steals his not-quite-green lantern armor. He's like, oh, this feels good. Then he just practices for a long time, days, weeks, months, even, who knows, just practices using his time stone. And eventually, he's able to get it right and reverse time. So then he reverses time back to when he froze it and unfreezes it, and uh, which leads to Wolverine getting punched in the face by the Warbringer. Um, and he's about to kill Talonar's mom, who Loki had brought to space to try to calm him down. But now Hector has his, his powers down, and he freezes just the Warbringer, and Wolverine goes and gives him a noogie. And then, but the ship starts blowing up. They're like, oh man, we gotta get out of here. So Talonar and Loki teleports everybody home to Earth. And they save the kid. And then, what happened? Who escapes? Oh, and then they close the portal before the Warbringer can get through. Sorry, and then his ship blows up, or the ship blows up with him on it. And then the kid runs off. And then Talonar flies off into space and says, See ya, Mom. And, of course, Logan's mad that the kid runs off after all they did for him, quote-unquote. Um, but Loki's like, oh, that's how it's going to go. And uh, Wolverine gets mad and double snicks and cuts down a tree. Kind of throws a fit. <laughs> but one of the birds poops on Loki's shoulder randomly. Uh, Loki and Logan kind of have a, well, that was fun. Um, and Logan's like, what's the catch, man? You didn't do this for, for no reason. And we can get kind of a recap of the end of Infinity Wars where he got all the stones, but it turns out it wasn't really what he wanted. He didn't want to be the Celestial's puppet. And so he kind of undid it all. And we get a cool snick where, uh, Denise would love where he gives the middle finger a claw. And we get a, like an infinity symbol that bleeps out the claw, but then they also like pixelate it, so it's kind of funny. So I don't know if he's doing the finger and the claw, or they're just pixelating out the claw to be humorous, but Loki's like, charming. <laughs> and then they all leave, and then we go back to the end of time where all Father Thor is there, and he's like, well, until next time, every oh, wait, everybody's dead but me. And he drinks some mead and reads the book. The end. Um... So this story's still pretty fun. The art's really great. The colors are really great. Um, I don't know. It didn't end quite as fun as it began. But I will still give it 5 out of 6 claws. Alright. Next up we have Superior Spider-Man number 8. Which is a War of the Realms tie-in. This is written by Christus Gage. Penciled by Lon Medina. Inked by Cam Smith. Colors by Andy Troy and Eric Arseniega. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And the cover is by Mike Hawthorne and Maury Hollowell. It's a pretty good cover. We have Superior Spider-Man thwipping out of some palm trees. And behind him we have America Chavez and Quentin Choir with a telekinetic shotgun. So this is, of course, a War of the Realms tie-in. And remember, we have Superior Spider-Man fighting in California. Um, the Fantastic Four have showed up to help him fight some Frost Giants. And there's lots of good band tour. Um, of course, Superior Spider-Man has recruited the West Coast Avengers to help him. He keeps calling them his minions, 
which of course they're like, wait a second, we're not, we don't work for you. And uh, Otto decides he's the boss, but he gets some humble lessons in fourth wall breaking, tie-in continuity from Gwenpool, who's like, hey, we're just the tie-in, like we're gonna do a bunch of stuff and fight some stuff, and at the end of our story, everything goes back to normal for us. We're not really part of the main story. You gotta remember that. You gotta remember your place. And I was like, you're crazy. Um, and so they continue to fight Frost Giants. Um, they use America, Chavez, to teleport uh, back to those. Oh, and it's kind of all around the War of the Realms. And they fight stuff. And, you know, it's kind of their mission. And one of the things they do is they go to Jotunheim. And they see Captain America's mission to rescue Thor, which of course includes Wolverine. Um, so that's uh, why he tells Choir, he goes, Choir, go home. This is grown up stuff. Um, and uh, Choir goes, Are you dead or not? I can never remember. <laughs> and Wolverine says, Makes two of us. Um, so yeah, so they, they do that. And uh, Spider Man gives Superior Spider Man kind of a talking to. Um, like almost like a pep talk and so they continue to hop around all the different places and, and saving stuff and you know it's just kind of a cute story where he remember you know he kind of realizes that you know maybe I'm not the main character of this story like Gwenpool says but I can still save people and there's a really cool panel of them like walking through the snow I'm sorry a really cool page of them walking through the snow and then they they go back to Ventura California and there's a frost giant about to kill a family and, and they saved that family and he's like that's enough and they're like oh thank you so much and he puts his you know he's kind of been, been riding on his ego and he puts it all aside and says madam it's my honor and he just wants to save people and he's not worried about being the hero necessarily and um there's a fun little end of the story there the art's pretty good the writing's great you know i gotta say as much as i loved west coast avengers I think Christus Gage, um, the way he uses Gwenpool to kind of lampoon the event tie-in issue is maybe the best use of her I've ever read. Um, and that's nothing against how, how Thompson used her in uh, West Coast Avengers, because that was great too. But this is just really something something really fun. Um, it's a really funny issue. The art's pretty good. Um I'm going to give this a very strong 5 out of 6 claws. Um, just really enjoyed it. A really good tie-in. Which brings us to the main event itself. The conclusion of War of the War of the Realms. We're hunting wabbits. Um, War of the Realms number 6. Um, which is The Storm of Thors. Written by Jason Aaron drawn by Russell Dodderman, colored by Matthew Wilson, lettered by VCs Joe Sabino, and then art, I'm sorry, the cover by Arthur Adams and Matthew Wilson. It is a wraparound cover that's pretty cool. Um, has kind of all the characters, just, you know, in Art Adams style. So, man, remember that Thor had nailed himself upside down to the tree of life to try to get some wisdom to help turn the tide of war. And it's not very nice because it burns him because the tree's in the sun now. And he's not having a lot of fun, but he does get some wisdom. And then we go to the 
And basically it's that he needs more Thors. <laughs> then we go to Asgard of the future, the far future. Um, and Reed Richards shows up with the thing to collect all Father Thor from the future. And of course he's been waiting. He remembers this moment and is ready to go back and do it. So now we have Thor with one eye missing and I guess he can't find any spare clothes because he has like a bath towel or something draped around his waist but he like has to hold it up with one hand. <laughs> and then if you, uh, coinciding with the, the issue with Thor that just came out, which is also really good by the way, they also went back to the past to get young Thor before he was even worthy to lift Mjolnir. So he's got an axe. And these are our three Thors, and they're going to get ready to fight. But you know that's not enough. We need a fourth Thor. We need one of the best Thors ever. And that's uh, Jane Foster, goddess of thunder. And she shows up, and she has the war axe, which, of course, is the axe from Ultimate Thor. And then, um, uh, can't remember his name all of a sudden. Um, oh, good grief. Red beard. I'm, I'm sorry. It just completely farted out my brain. I can't remember. Um, Volstag. Good grief. Um, you know, he used it to be the War Thor, and so it's barely holding together. It wants to kind of explode into entropy, but Jane wants to use it, and she's like, we're running out of time. Let's go. We can get a great double-page spread of all the Thors, like, basically flying through a lightning storm. Um, man, such a fantastic image um, by Dodderman and Wilson. Um, it looks so, so good. Um, anyway, so they, they go back to New York City where we have Wolverine and a crew of some elves and She-Hulk and Punisher just kind of shooting up whatever they can find to shoot up. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man shows up with the giant spiders of hell. Uh, Captain Marvel shows up riding on a giant fire horse. Um, Captain America has some heroes fighting some frost giants. But LeFay eats the casket of eternal winters, right? Isn't that what it's called? Sorry, the casket of ancient winters. And he eats it. And then he starts just blowing super blizzard breath and freezing everybody. So remember, Daredevil has Heimdall's sword, and he's going to go on the offensive. Then we go back to Stonehenge, where Malekith has made his world earthly headquarters to try to take over Midgard. And he's got the Venom symbiote, and becomes Venom Malekith. Because remember, now the symbiote's like a demon or something, if you're reading current Venom. Not my favorite take, but whatever. Then all our Thors show up, because Malekith had, had set a spell... Because he had captured Odin and Freya and set the spell that only a Thor could get through because he wants to fight Thor and Thor alone because he knew he tried to come rescue his parents. But we get kind of the, the fine print. They're all able to get through the barrier because they're all Thor. So our four Thors come crashing through. Uh, it's really cool because Russell Dodderman, who always does interesting thing with things with panels, um, this panel is shaped like a lightning bolt. It's really cool. Um, but anyway, they show up and they start fighting Malekith. And then Daredevil throws Heimdall's sword like his billy club, like bouncing and ricocheting off of things. And it goes in LeFay's mouth. And he's like, that was dumb. I think swallowing the sword is going to hurt me. It won't hurt me. 
But then the storms have called the storm of storms, the storm to end all time, the galactic storm, the space storm, whatever you want to call it. And it's getting ready to, to rain down on Midgard. And meanwhile, our Thors are fighting Malekith and his forces. Um, they're able to set Odin and Freya free. And of course, they join the fight. And we, we get kind of a side note um, when they say, they're talking about the, the world storm. Um, you know, it always comes to create something. And we get this really cool moment where it lands and it strikes on Earth. And, and Malak is like, a little storm and lightning is not going to hurt me. But what is born, or more, or more what is reborn, is Molnir in a fantastic page that's just kind of glorious and epic of the, the hammer reforming. And so Thor grabs it and we're ready to go and bring it, right? And he just smashes the hell out of Malekith. Um, and, you know, obviously that turns the tide of the war. Um, we see other scenes of people, like, defeating their various foes. And then turns out Daredevil knew what he was doing because Loki uses the sword of Heimdall to cut himself out of Lefay's belly. Remember, Lefay ate him because he was mad at him for betraying him. And he's like, what's the matter, father? Was it something you ate? And he also has the uh, casket of ancient winners. So that's not necessarily a good thing for Loki to have that, but he does. And all our heroes are winning. Everything's starting to thaw out. There's a cool Wolverine moment. That kind of shows the difference between Wolverine and Punisher because they've been kind of fighting together in this war. And um, he's like, Frank, let me buy you a beer. Enjoy the end of the war for just five minutes. And Punisher says, your war might have ended, Logan. Mine never does. And, you know, and it's not that Logan's... I mean, Logan kind of goes from fight to fight, too. Like, he may not have the kind of avenging my dead family thing, but, you know, his war is kind of ongoing as well. I think the difference is... He takes the time to kind of breathe and enjoy victory, whereas the Punisher doesn't afford himself that luxury. And so that's kind of an interesting kind of take. And, and two characters that could be very similar, kind of making a subtle difference between them. So that's cool. Um, then we can get kind of our typical end of event. Hey, this is where people are going. So the Venom symbiote makes a reference to Carnage. Um, the Warhammer kind of dissolves and takes Jane's arm, which is going to lead to her being the new Valkyrie. Um, Loki runs off to his new miniseries. And then the realms are restored. And then at the end, Odin crowns Thor king of Asgard. Calls him All-Father Thor. Which is going to lead, of course, into the new direction of his series. So, you know, this was so good, I really didn't mind kind of the the loose ends tie up we always get uh, that kind of can sometimes soften the end of an event but this book was so just epic and you know it's funny because this series issue one was so really really good and it's not that two through five weren't good I think they were just a little unfocused at times trying to keep up with all the side stories that you kind of sometimes lost sight of Thor's kind of arc through it, which is kind of the main story, right? But man, this last chapter really, really delivers. I mean, the art 
has been and continues to be just super amazing. Um, Dodderman and Wilson just just doing really cool stuff in this book. Um, but here the story really just delivers like an, I mean, it's, it's epic battle, it's epic, you know, kind of personal drama as we see Thor kind of go through his arc of, you know, learning from the world tree. Oh, and you know, it's funny because um, after Milnor Mjolnir reforms, Malak is like, what are you going to do? You can't lift that. You're not worthy. And we get a quote that Thor says in quotes. And I think we're supposed to infer that this is the whisper. When, um, you know, back in Original Sin, when Thor was whispered to and he can no longer lift the hammer. Um, it refers to the God Butcher story. And he says, Gore was right, in quotation marks. But knowing that is what makes me strong. Not the hammer, not the thunder. What I truly am is God of the unworthy. And that's that's a cool moment for Thor as well. That's right before he gives Malak at the smackdown. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really love this story, especially the first and last chapter. And, you know, if you've been listening, the middle chapters I've been giving fours and fives. But I think this last one, I'm going to return to the grade I gave issue one. I think I'm going to give it a 6 out of 6 clause. It was just really exciting to read. Um, a great, great comic that really ends this event strongly. Um, really, really enjoyed it. So, alright, well there you go. Well that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I think next up will be a flashback of the X-Men in space. So, uh, I don't know, why don't you write in and let me know what you thought of the end of Infinity Watch, or the end of War of the Realms, or the return of Larry Hammett, a, a short Wolverine story, or Wolverine's probably daughter. What do we think of that? So, if you have opinions, I would love to address them on the show. Uh, you can do that uh, by liking the Facebook page for the podcast that goes nicked, leaving comments on there. Of course, Twitter is that Snickcast if you want to tweet at me. Um, Show notes and stuff for snickcast.podbean.com. And, yeah, I guess that's about it. So, of course, remember, um, Facebook shares and Twitter retweets are always appreciated for the episodes. You know, anything to kind of get the word out there. I really appreciate you, those of you who have been doing that lately. Um, it's, I think it's definitely helped. I see an, an uptick in downloads and stuff, so I really appreciate it. And just very, very grateful for that. So, anyway, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye-bye. And snacked. And stereo. Oh, oh, oh.